0: Hello.
1: Hello, Ernie here. Hey, Robbie. Testing one two three. Testing one two three. I'm here. I can hear you. Yeah, I'm gonna get on my earphones here, but may or may not work.
0: Testing one, two, three.
1: Huh. Reason my uh headphones are not oh no they are. Oh, that's so why. My uh the, uh, <laughs> to the uh, YouTube video of us, and so they refused to talk to my phone. Can you hear me now?
2: Oh, I can. I've been able to hear you. Yep.
1: I kind of spammed everybody else, uh, Janet and Emiliana and Gary and Brent, to see if they wanted to join us, um, but I don't know if any of them will. Uh, I didn't hear back from Gary, even though he expressed interest in talking. But yeah. I guess you and I can be brief now, and we can, I'm happy to for
2: you to set up a separate time with Gary later to get his reactions. Yeah, I texted Gary. Um, uh, or no, I, I messaged Gary because he had originally contacted me through Facebook. See, mm-hmm. um, he hasn't responded, so. Uh, but I, I was encouraged by his email yesterday and uh, and interested in discovering how far he's interested in uh, working with us to further refine this and to, uh, um, you know, see it multiply.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah.
0: Just close it. Yeah, all
2: right. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: God, I just thank you for um, Robbie and his partnership in the gospel from first day until now and for the chance we had to do this uh dbj project and this dbj session yesterday i thank you for the extraordinary miraculous things you have done in our families over the last several months as we've walked this journey and i really feel like you have showed up uh, because we have humbled ourselves before you and sought your face and sought your kingdom first And I'm really grateful for that. And thank you for the lesson of yesterday is that we need to continually be reminded to keep you first and not idolize our family or uh, worse yet, our own agenda. (sighs) Well, I thank you for Salome and the lessons you learned from her life um, and just her utter selfless devotion to the very end, to the bitter end, uh, which wasn't the true end. And Lord, I pray that we would maintain that spirit as we seek to support your work, as Solomon did, and use our time and treasure and talents to support you wherever you want to go. And I pray that you would give us wisdom to do that and how to partner with everybody and how to be uh, collaborators and not competitors with all the work you're doing in the rest of the world. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. I was gonna say uh, oh. at one about an hour and twelve minutes in when Gary excused himself yesterday uh I felt like he expressed some very genuine and significant appreciation for uh what he'd experienced and uh i I was thinking been, I, one one principle in movements is. Uh, make use of existing relationships and groups rather than trying to form new groups out of strangers and uh, mm-hmm. equip, equip the members themselves to start groups with people that they know. So, uh, with that thought in mind, I, I imagine that Gary is part of significant relationships and networks where he could in, introduce more all of the Practices that he appreciated yesterday in a way that uh might multiply within his tribe or his, his I, yeah i I feel like I'm a rather unusual person in being connected to a wide variety of leaders but not really embedded in uh very many or any uh close communities uh locally or even well I guess uh, maybe an hour's drive away but that's not local enough for uh a frequent contact more than maybe once or twice a month. You no,
1: know, that's really interesting. Um first of all what is your connection with Cowboy Tim? Right, so, uh, oh so
2: by uh, uh whatever providence god uh, has established him here in the same town where i live in the same building where we used to fellowship with a more conventional church um and uh i what what he, he is he's been on a separate path in a separate silo um but coming to very very similar conclusions observations and uh I'm I'm finding it very rich to uh come alongside him and um learn everything I can from him and make available other connections and, and insights that he hadn't come across before.
1: All right. so I was just trying to ask you said you have you so I wasn't I was curious about your previous statement that you're not really part of the community. Uh yeah, are, well, are you considered still part of that or are you kinda of, sort of like uh param para-connected to him or is there a um, did, well, did tim's community come into the the, the 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 sort of the general statement you made or is there some nuance there
2: yeah well um it occurs to me now as we talk that community is forming that i'm feeling um increasingly a part of uh there's a mm. that it, um unrelated to but influenced somewhat by tim um just recently. So his his input is later. But um it, there's a group that meets every Thursday evening to look at some training materials for evangelism and try to break up our, our shell to become effective and truthful witnesses. Uh Jesus said, You will be my witnesses, but uh there's the most most believers have barriers. We have a desire to be truthful and effective witnesses. But we don't, I'm, I was just telling a friend from this group, uh, just five minutes ago or ten minutes ago, that, uh, um, we in the church, uh, urges us to be witnesses, but does not provide effective equipping and support to, um, be, to overcome our barriers. So I'm hoping that in my, in my group Thursday evenings with that sense of community, Developing, and Jackie's involved in that with me, which is a huge bonus for uh-huh. me. That uh, we were, in fact, yesterday. Uh, so Thursday evening we met, and then Friday morning I was meeting with uh, Catholic friend, and I just felt stirred that this would be a good place to share a 15-second um, uh, statement that could invite further conversation. So I asked the group for prayer, which I knew would make me feel accountable not to just let the opportunity pass as I typically do and it worked. uh, As he said he needed to go, I said, I need to say it. I I shared with him, uh, here's the short statement. So there was a time in my life when I was a regular participant in church, but I had no idea what it meant to follow Jesus. And then a friend told me about the joy he had from following Jesus. And I thought, Is there something I'm missing? So I said, God, if you're there, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And over the next couple of weeks, he transformed me and led me into new relationships and revealed himself to me in wonderful ways. And that was 45 years ago. It's had long term, you know, transformational impact in my life. Do you have a story like that? So that's the. the, And and, uh, I practiced it before I went over and then at the as he was ending the conversation so we ended up talking for another 45 minutes he was very open and, uh interested in further conversation he's starting to read the bible so you know for me that's a big step uh, for many people that's trivial but um if not if it's true that 95 percent of christians don't share the gospel in any given year uh then you know a little bit of uh, accountability and equipping and can make a big difference and the accountability of a group that's wanting to grow this together. So I'd ask for prayer and then I report it afterwards. Um,
0: yeah so that's,
2: that's a that's a community and I'm uh, that's not a community that I think is looking for what BBJ offers. Um but I do want to introduce them to multiplication concepts as we as we dig further. Um, but the the larger group that Tim is part of. Is a community he's leading, and I'm now part of that. Um, and I have developing relationships with a number of people there, and my daughter's involved with me there in this group. Um, but again, that's not a group where I feel like I could invite people who know each other to gather around a DBJ format uh, because they're busy enough with the 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 approach Tim is leading in. So, I don't, I don't, I, I'm also, I have a scattered network of people who know me, like you, but who don't know each other. So, as we did with the DBJ series, I could bring some of those people together, but those are not going to be lasting relationships. Those Those aren't pre existing relationships except with me. And so, they don't tend to become lasting relationships in a movement dynamic. Okay. More than you wanted, but that's uh oh, no, I think, that, I think there's
1: a lot of rich um insights there. So, yep. so let me just kinda tease apart a few of them. Yeah. One is that you know, in a non Christian context, people have a lot of social relationships that are not engaged in religious activity. Right. And the, you know, the, to be in a Christian culture is to be primarily defined by your social relationships rather than your professional obligations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's almost, almost, you can almost use that as a definition. And so, of course, the natural way for things to spread is to inject, you know, the gospel in Jesus as a novel thing into this existing strong web of non-Christian relationships. Right. The challenge we have in a gospelized culture is that most of our close relationships precisely are those who are christians and as you say they are already embedded in some practice or institution uh or other right and so to do it as an additive thing is um can feel burdensome probably uh, a safe
2: statement right most people aren't looking for something to add to their lives uh they're busy enough
1: well well yeah well well, that's the interesting thing is that i wouldn't actually go that far, okay, you know, most people have some sense of things that they would like to do more
0: of, okay right yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But I would think that most of them are not a priori uh looking for a uh well the question is is um the the category of there's a wonderful uh, phrase I heard, which is a bit tangential, but I think we're going into someone like says there's like four burners in your life. There's your health, your family, your friends, and your work. And wow. only one can really be on the front burner at a time. And oh. something will necessarily be on the back burner. Okay. All right, if you're really trying to be present for your family, you tend to give your friends short shrift. You know. Right. Or if you're really uh focusing on your health, then you need to uh, kind of downplay your work or using vice versa in Silicon Valley. Right. And so right. there's a sense in which people have buckets of things and say, okay, this thing is good enough. This thing I'm really focusing on. Yep. Right. And um, most people that we deal with, they've already kind of front-burnered their spiritual life. Right. And so they're already uh, kind of uh, doing a bunch of things that they feel will address that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so they aren't. Um, necessarily consciously hungry well, they're certainly not looking for they're, they're, they don't see the problem as oh I'm not doing enough Christian stuff right right. right? the problems are probably more like you know I'm not spending enough time at home I'm not taking care of my physical health or whatever so that's right. not the thing where there's a conscious lack uh, The so there's uh, the challenges but there are a couple of things that came out of your story that I found really intriguing one is that when you said why we don't ev- uh, evangelize uh, my uh, sense was, well, the reason we don't is we don't have a lot of incarnational modeling.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, Seth Golden defines culture as people like us do things like this, uh-huh. right? And when you go to church, you mostly hear from people who are professional Christians who spend their time working around other Christians. And so you don't get a lot of sense for like, you don't necessarily feel like they, their lives match yours. But if you, but like what you shared your story of was that you're talking with this guy and you said, you know, hey, um this is uh an experience I've had that matches you know, I wonder if this matches your experience.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And that created a conversational point where you could do something, where you could kind of uh, initiate a type of conversation. And like right. that was really powerful. Not in this, not in a prescriptive sense of, oh, hey, everyone should do something like this. Uh-huh. But it's just like, huh, that was a really interesting uh, gambit or technique. Uh-huh. And if you're part of the community where people are doing things like that and they hear that narrative, that's inspiring and encouraging. Right. And you know, I think we've talked about this before, but I feel like, uh, and this is kind of the, the first phase of BBJ. Uh, in the uh, ongoing branch is that what you want to have is people sharing stories of uh, where they are, I guess, taking risks for God and seeing mm-hmm. them pay off.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the more people just build a culture of doing that and repeating that and retelling those stories, that is, I think, the way that you create, frankly, a movement uh, of any mm-hmm. sort, right, is people see people they identify with taking risks that pay off, right? That's uh-huh. how products get adopted, that's how... Uh, politicians get elected, that's how right. uh, laws change. Uh, um, and so, you know, I think that to me is uh, the meta lesson. Right. The, uh, the, other, the other thing that occurred to me is that, you know, uh, I'll tell you another anecdote, which was uh, um, interesting, is that uh, I kind of ended up signing up to lead this peer mentoring group for a uh, MIT related alumni group. Of Christians, uh-huh. uh, which is actually started out as a physical study center called OpTest Collaborative, because this is kind of a thing that schools are doing now, or Christians are sponsoring. It's because it's a Veritas Forum, if you've heard of that, uh,
0: okay. which is
1: a uh, uh, kind of a high-end Ivy League uh, place for people to talk about their faith. You know, sponsored by Christians, but they have multi-faith dialogue and social issues yep. and things like that that they discuss from that context. Yep. And um, usually they conceived of it as a physical center, but because of the pandemic, they had a year where they literally could not meet anywhere in person, so they did a bunch of virtual events, which I was right. able to participate in because I'm not in Boston. And so I had some yeah. good talks with the leader and, uh, I ended up, they wanted to try and do these peer mentoring groups with MIT alumni. And so he said, well, hey, we want you to meet, uh, and for a couple of hours with people and then... Uh, we want to study some wisdom literature and have people talk about their experiences. And I say, you know, hey, I called this guy up and said, uh, let's, let's talk, because otherwise I will totally flake on the thing I signed up to do. And so we scheduled some time. And I say, you know, it's funny, uh, because yeah. I hadn't thought about this at the time. He said, well, you know, you want a two-hour block where you have a bunch of people who have a connection, but don't really know each other well. And you want to try and right. build some sort of community, and you want to focus on scripture. You want to come up with some concrete output where you're sharing what you're learning.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. Funny
1: you should mention that. It's <laughs> like I have a practice I've been working on for the last year, which tries to do that. And I literally yep. would say, ah, okay. He has this context, which I'm sort of in charge of. And I said, yep. oh, huh. We have this practice where we have like the pitch, where we don't have a facilitator, we ask each other around. He goes, yeah, yeah that could work. You know, I could see that being mm-hmm. interesting. And I yeah. said, then we have this uh, practice of when we engage with scripture, we don't do a traditional Bible study. We do Bible storying uh, mm-hmm. and journaling. Uh, And so, you know, because one of the the failure modes that I've often run into is either you're something people are passionate about, where a few people drive the conversation, other people don't say anything, or Uh you have kind of a rote question that people give a superficial answer to and you just chug around. Right. And so I shared these practices. He goes, oh, yeah, those would work. And um, and I said, you know, in terms of work product, what if I could record this and uh, then we would like to cut it down into some sort of summary of what we learned. And then would you be willing to share that at least with the other groups that are doing these pre mentoring in other areas? You go, absolutely. It's like, huh, okay. Yeah. So, yes. and we're still discussing whether it's going to be offline, online. It'll probably end up being hybrid. Um, yeah. But it's like, huh, okay, there is a context I already have. And um, I, I've been really, in fact, for the episode title, I think I've been uh, enamored by this thing that Emilian talked about a DBJ to go. Uh-huh. And the thing that um I've often well, I think I said this even at the beginning, like I don't expect everyone in the world to do D B J but what I would love is for every Christian community to have at least two people who are connected to D B J because uh-huh. the goal is not to promote a particular methodology, the goal is to promote Jesus. Yeah and to be yep. Jesus, right? And so the question is, how do we equip people? So there's a couple of layers of questions. Like the end game is to have people who are learning to just be Jesus within their existing context, whether professional context, ministry context, church context, whatever. And Uh then as you start being Jesus more and gaining grace and having the same grace, then you will naturally do things that inspire people to to see, right, if you, right, first in DBJ we see Jesus to be Jesus, be Jesus. And then also going places and be Jesus that they see Jesus. And I typically think a lot about uh, opportune moments, like the trade moments that we've been playing with, is that um, when you can, uh, someone's at a point of crisis or a point of pain and you can respond like Jesus rather than like yourself
0: right uh or the way you normally would, or
1: more importantly, the way the cultural norms would um, uh tend towards uh
0: uh-huh.
1: right this idea of being able to be Jesus in a uh maybe a better word than disruptive uh, it, uh maybe um uh what's the opposite of this uh con um this. I don't know. But like the idea, let's, let me go with conruptive for now. Rather than, it's not disruptive in the sense of tearing things apart, it's corrupted instead of in the sense of tearing things together, if that even mm-hmm. makes sense as a paradox. right? But the idea that yeah. Jesus is is reweaving things when he shows yeah. up. And uh, that is actually literally in my workplace. I've been doing that a lot this week. So my primary job is to show up with hope and emotional presence and not. Deny the negativity, but not react to it,
0: okay. and
1: to be uh, salt and light, as we say. And so I feel mm-hmm. like that's starting to happen at work where people are looking at me as a person of peace mm-hmm. in this thing. And it has nothing to do with DBJ, uh, right. you know, structurally, but everything to do with trying to be Jesus in those mm-hmm. contexts. So I mm-hmm. think that, in some sense, that's the 80% of the work is just being Jesus in those contexts. And then what you get from DBJ is just helping you to be that person yeah. that has that impact. So that's one layer of it. And, and arguably that's the most important one. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is this interesting, um, well, okay, so that's uh, uh, that's one level. Uh, so, so at one extreme, let's call that on a scale of one to 10, let We'd say 10 is the really being just fully incarnate in your communities. With no uh-huh. reference conscious or uh, to the practices or the name or anything. Uh, level, at the other way, we we'll call it just right, level one is actually being in a DBJ group and going through the full, a full DG self consciously going through a public DBJ process, right? right? Right. And then somewhere around, let's say, like three or, or uh, is what I'm doing with Octet, which is uh, taking the DBJ principles and practices and employing them within a different context in hmm, this case mm-hmm. it's sort of a new context but it's not my context entirely right it's part right. of my context uh but that's something that um not branded dbj uh uh-huh. it's not consciously trying to dbj but it's something someone like you know hey i can adapt these dbj practices into this existing right. format right and that's something that people can start doing you know, that's like a level three, where like a level four is where they have an existing Bible study that say, hey, rather than going around and answering the questions, like you normally do, let's just take a minute in journal first uh-huh. and then share our questions. Like that's like a simple thing that they could do, which doesn't, which is just a tweak to an existing format that's just right. bringing in some of these practices where they uh, are natural and organic, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and that's, you know, that's fine too. Uh, then somewhere, let's call it level two, is this thing that Emiliana's been talking about, a DBJ to go. Uh-huh. And I feel like, you know, there is like, originally DBJ, you know, for we did formally was this seven week commitment, right? Um, right? And then the last version we did yesterday was a two and a half hour. Uh-huh. And then the next thing that Emiliana challenged us to, which I really want to lean into, is yeah. This idea of a 15 or 30 minute commitment that we could do with our kids, Right. where you know they're 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 good Christian kids, they have their own practices or whatever, but right. it's something that they would be willing to, to show for, and it's like you know that would be the easiest way to do that. I think is right. um, that I think is that we already have the social context of these people know each other or have some connection, so you don't have to spend right. all that time ahead of time, and you want to give them just kind of the the uh, What's the uh the I guess the vine with the with the 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 Twitter, you know, the uh, condensed version, right?
0: Uh-huh. The right.
1: um and the freemium. Um, the freemium. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um and trying to think of that so the way to pull that off is you need to have something you can assume, right? Because uh you have this big arc because we're trying to accomplish a lot and um, like even like the level three thing I'm doing, I probably won't do communion, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. And we probably won't do all the, the, the practice. So I'll probably pick like, frankly, I think the, the the level three I'm gonna do with Octet will be like, focus on the getting to know you questions.
0: Because right. this is a
1: group of strangers meeting for the first time. And right. then uh, focus on the word. Um, and then third, focus on praying for each other as a body. Like, I feel yeah. like that feels like the minimum I can do that would give them a meaningful experience, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the, kind of the testimony, the word, and um, maybe blurring the spirit and the praying together. Um, mm-hmm. But at least present it to them as kind of these three phases. Um, yeah. And that feels like we get a, a meaningful ex- uh, experience out of it. And the other pieces may or may not happen, kind of in the gaps where we talk about memorial and but making it feel less formal and more like a, a Bible study in some sense, or a Bible-centric study. Mm-hmm. And I think if you want to make that shorter and still give people a powerful experience, the easiest if you didn't have to do the... So the two ways I can imagine doing this in 15 minutes. One is where, like, these are people already know each other, they're already in some social context, like a youth group. You say, hey, we're going to do this thing for 15 minutes in the middle of a youth group. So you don't have to yes. worry about the first part. Um, the other way, um, which you'd have to be... Um, and I think maybe this would actually work well with kids is if you have a status role where you can actually get people to do things uh that are less natural, you could do kind mm-hmm. of lightning round okay right is where you say okay, you know go you go around real quickly and just say your name, 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 name. favorite sexual character You're, you know like you like, you take literally like one minute to do each cycle instead of yeah. like fifteen minutes the way we do right. uh or a half hour that we do in the group and yeah. um that would certainly keep the energy level up yeah. and feel more like a game um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that would get it through really quickly um the weird thing is um the kind of difference in my head is like i want to be like fast punchy engaging thing but i'm also trying to treat teach this deliberative contemplative practice, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and so like, the the best case scenario, so let's just, let me just spitball this as an idea, right? Is you have a group of people, uh, you have like uh, some social time ahead of time, so people have some shared context or whatever, and say, okay, we're gonna start on the dot. It's like, okay, you have these two questions, you have exactly one minute to come up with your journaling, and then we're gonna do lightning rounds where you go around and answer these questions and then we do a uh scripture we'll have to do like a single scripture passage which is uh-huh. like five to seven verses uh max and the thing we do and like people do the um the the the, the journaling and then we do the lightning so, so it's like there's a light there's a journaling period um so there i guess we'll so kind of break it into three into modules uh, like there's the um, context setting where you explain to them what's going on uh uh, reading a passage swimming there's a journaling period where they're doing the reflective and then there's the lightning round where they just share their answers super quick Uh um and that feels like that could happen quickly and be interesting and engaging and still have the pieces the part that's hard to imagine doing slowly which i think is really important is the reflective listening right um the um but maybe that's the thing that you give people uh, so if, I was gonna try to make this happen in fifteen minutes. I think what I have to do is like five minutes for phase one, getting to know each other, um, five minutes for phase two, which is the scripture, and then have I guess five minutes for phase three, which is where you're just breaking the you just break into pairs. And if people want to go long, they do. Right, uh-huh. that's not on me. That's on them, uh, and then we're just done. And whoever you know finishes can show up and hang out and get feedback if they want. Otherwise, you know we fulfilled our obligation to them to get it over with in five minutes. Right. Um, and you know when they break in the pairs, then they um, you know spend their time journaling and they just sort of decide together when they're both ready, and then they share, repeat, and pray. Right. Um, you know that feels like it would be. Uh, challenging and exhausting um, uh-huh. but it feels like I can imagine telling people it's 15 minutes and being sincere about it and if they're um, um, we have kind of like a 15 minute social ahead of time just for people to show up and kind of get oriented and make sure everyone's logged in uh, and then we do a 15 minute uh, with three lightning and then it's breakout rooms. People can um, take longer if they want, and show up afterwards if they want. So if it's like a 45 minutes block of time, but there's only 50 minutes where they actually really have to be there and fully engaged, and the rest is sort of optional. Header uh-huh. uh, and footer. That feels like that is conceivable.
0: Okay, great.
1: You can. Know, can uh, so... you, you imagine? Your daughter, uh, I guess maybe that's something to pitch to your daughter to see if she'd be interested in, in doing that and if she hasn't thoughts about whether that, that would even work.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not a good listener often because my mind is so active about thinking about alternatives and I didn't catch <laughs> the full vision that is in your mind um, because I was thinking about complementary pieces along the way. Uh, <laughs> what, what, I'll write it up what, and you can look at it later. Yeah, yeah. Um, i I do my overall impression of it is yes, I think uh there's something there um, the one thing that uh passed through my mind is that questions are much shorter to present than opinions or observations or can be, and they mm-hmm. can also lead to discussion afterwards so if the if if you look at the passage and allow each person to write down a question. Maybe even ask Jesus to give them you know how how Jesus would you answer this question uh, about this passage, and then give them give everybody opportunity to share their question, but say, if you want to discuss these, we we'll need to stay afterwards, or you could even end the call at the fifteen minute mark, and then say anybody who would like to discuss any of these questions can jump back in uh, that would you know uh, if, if people are making an active step to get in. Uh, there's some that, that's a pretty positive dynamic. Um, uh, so that, that was one thought. I, I, uh, if we, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, I guess I brought,
1: I, I, guess I like that because I think that actually you know that is the last thing that we do for the word. And one uh, could argue that if we're going to do just have people do one thing tightly, that yeah. might be the one thing to have them do is just look at the passage and say what question uh, stirs your heart, and we just leave it open ended, and people can discuss it or not. When we yeah. do it kind of like we do in d b j um but that feels like right that's something that could be very powerful and very short
2: yeah then uh with the reflective listening uh it just occurred to me that well, I was just thinking about the loop ten two community that yeah. incorporates an additional uh, an intentional pattern of uh, identifying vocalizing how you're feeling um and if we went around and asked people to just give, describe one, one feeling, one, one, one word feeling that they're experiencing either in the immediate moment or generally in life and one sentence uh, a description or, or circumstance that relates to that feeling, uh, you know, we could have a much more formulaic sharing with the response okay it sounds like you're feeling this because of that uh and we could practice you know if we did that you could do that around a group in a minute or you know whatever like you were talking about maybe it would take three minutes but it wouldn't take half an hour uh, if we cultivated a focused and uh, the many engineers and those, you know the the problem of even re- I- obs- identifying to yourself what you're feeling is uh, uh, something that would help many people to work on, I think. And it, it's a yeah, powerful I mean, I, part I mean, of relationships. relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I love the idea. I personally have a hard time seeing that being strongly time-bound. Because if someone shares a strong feeling right. and a difficult circumstance, like, you can't just go and say, boom, all right, 30 seconds, move on, right? Yeah. Like, you actually want to know, like, dang, why are you feeling that? Uh, and yeah. either you end up, uh, but it makes me think that maybe that would be an interesting hook to do in pairs, to have sure. people to yeah. identify a feeling, because that's where you really want people to uh, grapple and connect with each other, and they can organically decide if they feel like you know, they have a heart stop, they can be quick, but if they don't, they won't. And that way, the, the power dynamic of us making them do it uh, right. is absent
2: if If you're going to do this on uh you know I'm thinking about the zoom context uh where you've mm-hmm. got the chat you've got the chat, we could ask everybody to check in with uh, an emotion and a circumstance you know one sentence and say uh, after our formal time, anybody that can stick around uh will take time to hear more and to pray about those things,
1: yeah, I think the issue is that we have the yeah, right. And that's what I was talking about the idea of a prologue and an epilogue, right? The prologue yeah, yeah. is we get everyone online, get them all things. And then the epilogue is really we surface all these issues, we give people, uh-huh. you know, a context where they get to pray for each other one on one so that they right. get at least something there. And then when they come back, everything is on the table. Right? Yeah. Like if there were questions that came up, if there were issues that came up, feelings that came up. Uh, whether because of it or you know meta questions about that, that's what the idea of the after So It's almost more like maybe fifteen minutes uh, uh, in terms of our time. If we have the uh, so you know if we, from our perspective, it's an hour and a half. In that we sort of get set up fifteen minutes early, the doors open fifteen minutes beforehand, we start you know contacting people, making sure they have the links or whatever. We start uh-huh. at on the hour sharp. Uh, we do these three five-minute, you know, uh, blocks, and then at ten minutes into the the fifteen minutes, we break them up into pairs. And we tell them, okay, plan to take about five minutes. This is what you're uh, supposed to do, and then if they want to stick to the four-minute, uh, you know, uh, you know, the the four or five minutes that we give them, great. And it be and like whenever you're done, you're free to go. Right. Right. And but if you want to come back, we'll be here. Uh, we'll be debriefing and talking about some of the issues that were raised. And if you want to become part of that, that's awesome. We'd love to have you come back and, and join us. It's it's totally yeah. up to you. So I'm not nagging yeah. them to be done. I'm not nagging them to come back. Um, yeah. And but we at least plan to be around for another you know 15 minutes. Well, I guess make it an hour commitment. We plan to be around for an hour, and then you know we have time. Yes. People want to, but we at least commit to being. Uh, the adult supervisors commit to you know 60 minutes, but they're only committing mm-hmm. to 15 minutes, and then whatever happens happens.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And it's um, funny, You know, my my son's favorite part of youth group is yeah. after youth group ends. Oh right. Yeah. Where they just hang out and play games. And it's like you know uh, there's, there's, there's there's an interesting theory about that. Is that like what if you actually had something where, like the programmatic part was really that small. But there was
2: all this other time for socialization interaction before and after well yeah it's like that competition between programmatic and socialization interaction um we, the, what we're doing on Sunday mornings with Tim Moore he's calling church interactive and uh
0: mm-hmm. we
2: do discussion around tables we he engages you know people from the audience we hear each other's thoughts, looking at questions like. If uh, if church leadership were evaluated by uh, sp- um, spiritual um, criteria rather than uh, the traditional measures of uh, that we have, uh, how would that make a difference? Or if, if love mm-hmm. were a motivation rather than uh, numbers or, you know, things like that. And um, anyway, it's been uh, it's a. And that that feels like a community because um, I'm we're interacting and I'm getting to know people uh, in a way that they're, uh, you know, typically is reserved for a few minutes conversation with whoever I happen to run into after a service.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So think about that as the, um, oh, the other thing that would also make this uh, a little bit faster. Uh-huh. is if you could assign homework right, where people read the passage to themselves ahead of time so they're not coming in cold. Um, or, yeah. you, know, you could even uh, you could even do it, actually, if think about this, if you could even do it, uh, if you think about this as a parent-child thing, right, each of us is an adult bringing one child right. to the event, then you could even have um, uh, sort of the parent-child do kind of a pre-brief
0: for
1: uh-huh. it uh, where they talk about the format and the the context and some of the other people so that they don't come in cold. When they show up, you know, with the 15 minutes in there, they don't oh. you know, have it, right. It also thinks about 15 minute sprint is like, that one actually makes more, more sense to drop into the middle of a youth group meeting, right? They yeah. say, hey, you know, you guys have already met, you know each other, you have some relational social context and we're just gonna do this quick 15 minute exercise. Um, you know, that's something I could imagine pitching to our youth group leader. Right. right is letting me come in and do this thing as like a special thing and like it's fast and it's short. Um oh. you know maybe it'd be thirty minutes, it's a larger group, but it's yep. something that um is uh, you know, concentrated and focused. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like there's a there there. Um as always the the smaller something is, the more preparation it takes to get it right. Um wait uh, right. so, you know, to go all that, but I, I love that. Uh, the other thing i wanted to bounce off of you is funny i was talking with david huffman about the issue of, of forgiveness and you were uh-huh. talking about the exodus passage and uh-huh. when i was talking with david uh he was talking about like you know part of him just gets really angry at all the city sees out in the world yeah and he says like i just wanted to do like a podcast where we just talk about it all the time and i said uh-huh. yeah great you want to start with yours or start with mine <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, you know, that kind of caught him off guard uh, but it was actually right. serious it's like you know uh, I feel like he uh, feels this anger at sin, and I think that's a good thing that he feels that, because yeah. uh, even if I don't, and it's just a question, how do we just close the circle on that? But it really made me drawn to that Exodus passage, because it's precisely about this really horrible thing, although there's some weird nuance there with Aaron and the feast of the Lord and the revelry, but uh, I don't fully really understand. Uh, right. But it feels like the first 14 verses of Exodus 42 might be enough, you know, there's a lot going on, obviously, but uh, um, you know, in order to keep it bounded, if we did yeah. just you know two sections, you know, Aaron and the sin and and Moses talking to God, and just kept it at that, that might be enough to um, build a DVJ around, and people yeah. can fill in their own context for what happened before or afterwards. Like right. we, you know, maybe maybe we, we we do it in, in, enough where we can. So, you know, hey, we encourage you to read Exodus 31 and 32 so you understand the context. But for DBJ, we're just going to be doing these 14 verses. Uh huh. And
0: so um, uh,
2: that feels yeah. like a yeah. We we met with Paul Watson early when we were you know yeah we reflect. Uh, uh, so the the pattern of this uh, Discovery Bible study that I first read about and learned about. Um, when I actually met them down in Portland for training, uh, what they have found to produce the deepest results is if, if, if and this relates to the homework idea. So if you have a person first write out the passage word for word, it forces them to think about every word. It's a you know it it's it's a kind of processing that we don't often do with things. And then to yeah. have them have them restate it in their own words, and mm-hmm. then and then identify an I will statement that is based on this. If I'm seeking to obey God, I will. Dot dot dot. And so we could have everybody. Uh, we we could invite that as homework to enrich the process. And the people who do it, uh, I think it would be evidence. Um The benefit and value such that the people who won't do it the first time um by the third or fourth time it seems likely that they would if this were a repeated process,
1: yeah, I mean like as you know like, you know ironically like uh, you know of the group, i think um like in this context the um um I think like three days ahead of time. It was still only Millie and I who had signed up, and so everyone else signed up like three days. And two people even even signed up after we started, Kate ah. and uh, a friend of mine, Tom Denbow. So mm-hmm. um, and they missed it, which is was sad. Yep. But I have grace for myself that I didn't catch that. Um, oh, yeah. The um, but so the uh, if we ha- so. Um, I mean, when I hear that, that's, that just you know, that screams to me: this is a traditional culture where you can tell people to do things and they do it, right? Um,
0: well, the, we're talking about homework. Uh, the, art,
1: just so yes, not, appropriation. Not, the whole concept of it, right? So, but the whole point yep. of telling people to do things is, is this yep. whole paradigm that I'm trying to get away from, right? So, yeah, the way I would frame that in our context is, you know, hey, um, well, one, can we actually plan this so we actually get people to sign up more than? a couple of days in uh-huh. advance, you we know, have a chance to build community and the ahead of okay. time, right? Right. Um, right. Uh, one challenge. Uh, the second challenge is, I think I would say is that, you know, hey, uh, what we want to do is give people the opportunity to study the passage in advance if they want to. Because before we'll right. we never even let people do that, because we don't, I mean, uh, or, and, and then say, and then you, you begin to do the prototype rather than the prescription, where you say, you know, hey, right. one of the things that I like to do is to do this.
2: Yeah, or we can suggest just a, keep, a variety of things, yeah.
1: But but, but like, it's not suggesting. This is okay. the key for me. It's uh-huh. it's demonstrating. huh It's like, you know, hey, this is what I like to do. Okay. You do present it as a recommendation or even a suggestion. You say uh-huh. hey, this is yep. what I like to do. People look at it and say, Huh, that's interesting. And if they feel inspired, they do it. And if they yep. don't, they don't, or if they do something different, that's fine. Like there's no uh, stigma. Right. Or, uh, or even a um, this is something I'm very sensitive to these days, uh, partly because I'm so blind to it for most of my life and still am in a lot okay. of ways. Is this idea All of right. status role? Uh, right. Implicitly, when I suggest you do this, that implies that I understand. It, it's setting ourselves sort of as a teacher
0: okay. or a parental yep. figure, right? Yeah.
1: Um, and you know that's kind of what I'm going through with my my psychologist. Uh-huh. There's this weird dynamic. Uh, I talked about it where, I, 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 like, I told him, like, I feel like you know that sometimes you do things where I feel like their purpose is to establish emotional distance to maintain the power role. And he goes, uh-huh. well, that's bizarre because from my perspective, you have all the power in the relationship and I don't.
0: Uh-huh. And it's like,
1: huh, there's this really weird, weird dynamic there that I don't understand. But I'm starting to think that those things, which I'm barely conscious of, are actually the root of most of the misunderstandings and frustrations that I feel, that um, uh-huh. I haven't had the right mental framework for understanding that. And if I yeah. do, then I can actually, that's funny, this is professionally, I'm going through this huge uh, um, process of trying to bring, um, I don't even the right word for it, but trying to get our data management strategy to be coherent. And it sounds really dry and academic there, but the reality is, is we have this cultural um, failure point, I guess, where we're not agreeing on what is the right data to make decisions. No. And we have a, Before this last week, we even had a hard time even understanding why it was that we weren't in agreement. Uh-huh. It was more like, like clearly something was wrong and people are upset, but it was hard to get a clear articulation of what was wrong and what they were upset about. And sometimes uh-huh. people would say things like, well, this report is wrong, or you're asking for the wrong thing. Um, and it was very much a, what I would say, blaming uh, rather than uh, deliberate identification of issues. Uh, and that's a sign of a lot of stress that people are under for various reasons. But there's the same, um, uh, the as we've been, I mean, and I'm advising a startup who's trying to build a limit, who's trying to i uh, have got a really great product, but they have no marketing strategy to speak of. Uh, and I said, your problem is you have to define the problem in a way that when people hear it, they go, Ah, yes, that explains what I am feeling. Uh, but when we uh-huh. first did that, it was just like it just talks about how messed up things are. It's like you have to have, you have to define the problem in a way that when you present the solution, it is obvious that it is the right solution and it will work.
0: Uh-huh. Right. Yes. And
1: and pairing those together and this. You know, I mean, for me, the biggest thing about BBJ uh, is this issue of discipling by Jesus. Right. Know, like, Jesus is really the only authority. Scripture is the only, you know, Jesus, his word, his spirit, his body, his life, those are the real authorities. And the hardest discipline of all, and perhaps the most important one, is precisely, um, like, I'm not the guy sitting on the left hand or right hand of Jesus. Right? Uh-huh. This is precisely the thing that James and John were aspiring towards. That, yeah. uh, you know, I think that the, um, and so like every discipline, everything, that, so maybe that's an interesting um, um, punchline to all of this. The core of this is that we create a context where we are not the ones sitting at the right hand or left hand of Jesus telling people what he wants them to do. Right. You know, and, and that the more we can set things up so that we aren't doing that, the more effective we are at accomplishing our purpose. Yeah. And,
2: that's something very significant there. Yeah. And. I, 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 go ahead. I'm trying not to. Cut you yeah, off. And,
1: and the weird part is that is that this is the design challenge because that the the uh, there's this wonderful David Marquette quote is that to give people control, you have to give them clarity and competence. Uh huh. And mm-hmm. so, ironically, you have to be more clear about what you want and what people should do, and you have to train them yep. on how to do this. In order to be able to give up control. Right. And that's the paradox that um, you know. I feel like we we've, we've got a plausible way to do that in a, in a two-ish hour block. Right. And sorry, um, well, yeah, I did that correct. But anyway, the concrete pitch is: I would love to do a, a one-shot DVJ on the first half of Exodus 32. Okay. Um, and we're focused really on, on this issue that you've been raising about how do I really have, what, how did Moses have compassion for the, the children of Israel, it, literally in defiance of God's righteous anger? which uh, uh, was usually on, I, the, on the other side, right? You say, I'm the one who I, has righteous anger and God's the one who has such compassion.
2: Yeah. And that's still for hard. Me, for me, the most fascinating turn in that story is where Jesus, uh, where Moses, <laughs> uh, Jesus does this with the father, but uh, or Moses says, uh, now forgive these people. And if not, blot me out of your place. That's, that's, I yeah. think of that as the second half of uh, the first half of the story earlier in the chapter where God says, uh, your people who you brought out of Egypt have sinned grievously. And I'm going to block them out and start over with you. I think that's in the first half. So I, I actually, I think, all of
1: that is, I think all of that is in the first fourteen, 14 verses. Where both with it, the first seven verses are where they sin, and then I think it's just like seven verses where Moses is dialog with God.
2: Where uh, uh, I have to look at it again I have, yeah. because anyway, I because I when I copied the passages out and I ended up with two blocks: a block at the beginning and a block uh, closer that includes the thirty-two, thirty-two. I think, uh, which is I thought okay. the verse that I was just You're quoting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um you yeah, know, maybe right. I didn't I didn't
1: read the rest of it, so it's entirely possible. i I, I missed that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So anyway, so I think but I think the key point in this maybe that's the way you think about it. The key point in this is is Moses' dialogue with God. Right. Right. And the dialogue of what he does with the people and, and all that we can probably skip over. So maybe that's the homework assignment. Let's see if we can trim down chapter thirty two into a bite-sized piece that has the right. As my dad would say, the character study on Moses,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, rather than all the filler of the narrative, and we encourage right. people to read it um, ahead of time, but we let them know we're going to focus on this part, and then right. we can um, share some of our practices for how we do that. And
2: yeah. Yeah, And each,
1: targeting like we, rough, roughly three weeks from now.
2: Yeah, you and I could each identify, you know, what's our current favorite way to uh, to digest material like this. Actually, yeah. I, I think I've probably mentioned before. I was inspired as a as in my twenties to start just cut writing out the whole Bible, and I finished up a mm-hmm. year or two ago. Um wow. So I've, I've done I've done that practice. I just disciplined myself a paragraph a, a day. Uh, sometimes I got behind and would catch up, but in any case, mm-hmm. um, now I've I've found that listening to the audio scripture uh seems to work better into my pace of life and mindless uh, mm-hmm. the things that i occasionally have to do um so uh, anyway yeah and then there's practices of others like david and paul watson um within the dbj within the longer format um uh, uh, emiliana expressed um a desire to get better at that retelling without looking at it uh, but I, mm-hmm. I think that's also uh it's a place where people can uh feel uh, feelings of inadequacy can surface that may be may hinder the process in some ways over what what I've been doing more recently with my daughter is uh leaving the passage open and just saying now uh, summarize that in your own words uh so this is something oh. we could also try as a variant um, is to yeah, let them I like summarize that. in their own words right and then I'd yeah, love to do that
1: next time and get people's reaction whether they think that was yeah it doesn't uh, feel like
0: it's are diminishing. Yeah. 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 not uh, feel right. You don't have- yeah, I,
1: I look at it, I think like, you know, it's actually, I like, you know, I, I, I'm of two minds. Look, on one hand, it's good to be kinder. On the other hand, having the right amount of anxiety and discomfort makes for deeper learning. And so um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it's definitely worth trying the variant and seeing what happens. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So the, the thought would be from the weekend of the 16th and 17th, would be kind of a target time frame. Do you currently have any major family things going on the week before that? Or that um, for that matter?
2: Yeah, well, uh, a huge cloud hanging over us. Um, next uh, rains on uh, July 21st is the current court schedule for a meeting uh, with the judge. And uh, if we could go after that, it's much better uh, for me emotionally and the. Um, yeah, but, sure. You know, it's um, I, that should it should probably shouldn't be determinative, uh, but it's at least a factor to consider.
1: Right. Yeah. The reason I'm looking at that weekend is that David Huffman has every other Friday work schedule, so I think oh, okay. he's off, and then the next one after that is the thirtieth. Um, right. So, and I wanted to, he's been uh, uh, on my heart a lot, and so. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the 30th isn't a bad timeframe either, and so we well, will the, start working on the, yeah. the, the contract, so, uh, and then we will let God drive us to a date.
2: Actually, the 30th would be worse because um, the, the final uh, – we have a preliminary date on July 21st for a half hour. The final ruling is uh, on the 31st. And i don't, oh, wow. I don't even know if I don't even know if that includes a court appearance, but I imagine it does uh so maybe we should just go back to the sixteenth that's enough ahead of the twenty first you know it's uh five days ahead that uh well, well let's let's stick with that and uh look forward to it
1: we'll'll' pencil it in at least and then I'll talk with david and we'll see if he can uh yeah yeah converge on that.
2: I didn't check with the others that right. wanted to come yesterday and and couldn't. Uh, do you need to cut out, or do you have a couple more minutes? Have a couple minutes, yeah. So, I, 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 there were some further thoughts about Tim that uh, came to me as we were talking. Timothy Moore. Um, one is, one is the. Uh, What I articulated earlier—the movement principle that you work with existing groups—I think that's been reframed in my mind just as we were talking. That uh, you want to—it's for a movement. You need to engage people in a way that doesn't compete with the relationships that they care about, and that feels um, and is um, transferable to the relationships that they care about. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you don't have to form a group with existing, uh, in an, with an existing relationship. But if I were to do something like DBJ with a a variety of supporters who only know me, um, as long as it, uh, doesn't compete overly and it's, it it gives them new, um, something that they can share or want to share, you know. Uh, So, okay. That's, that's a point. Um, the other, I, I like the four burners idea. Um, the, there, in yeah, another framing of this, is there are three spaces in which we live. There's the relationships surrounding where we live, our home, our household, um, our extended family, and our neighbors. Um, and that's, that's one category of relationships. The second is the work related relationships. And the third is the areas of interest that drive pubs and clubs mm-hmm. and associations around the world. Yeah, third so, places, um, as they say. Yeah. So, so T- Timothy has focused on third space church movements and, uh, been very successful as, at developing a cowboy church movement among people that appreciate horsemanship and outdoorsmanship as uh, their natural area of interest. And they just Mm -hmm. have, when they, you don't have to know somebody beforehand to, I mean, it doesn't take long to develop a deep sense of warmth and affinity with somebody who shares those kinds of interests. So right. the, community, the community that I've stepped into in the Impact Center, the Church Interactive, is largely people who have followed Tim over from the Cowboy Church. So I'm not, I don't share their interests, but I share their passion for Jesus and the desire to see multiplication and, and blessing. So um, I'm at a second level in that place. um Yeah. Many of them have pre-existing relationships, but. um, uh, yeah. Anyway, those were just yeah,
1: and I think that's actually a really good point. Is that um, in Western culture, I think the easiest place to start a movement is in the third space.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. As much as we talk about workplace and 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 the family, and I think those are um, important. I think the reality is is that the way we have a uh, an opening to gather people together. I mean, since that's what we did, we gathered people together who were kind of interested in church reform and things like that. That's what to the Great Reset and right. the question of the DBJ. And I think that, you know, it's entirely possible that DBJ itself primarily lives in the third space. Right. And it will have manifestations. I mean, that's an interesting thing is, is that the DBJ principle really is this creating context where we are not in control if uh-huh. that's kind of the core thing that we're leading, then there's lots of opportunities to practice that in other yeah. contexts. It's yeah. just hard. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, not just emotionally and spiritually, but cognitively and technically as well. And if DBJ is a place where people build that muscle so they can do that, you know, that's uh, that's, good. that's enough, maybe. Uh-huh. Uh, if I don't need to get my family to do DBJ, except maybe on rare occasions. But if I'm living a lifestyle of being discipled by Jesus and All I'm right. practicing that in my core relationship, um, that's enough. Well, I thing I want to mention is that I had a good talk with my uh yeah, actually a beer with my uh, one of my pastors on Thursday. And uh-huh. the church is kind of going through an inflection point as we're opening up again, but you know, people have got out of the habit of not just showing up for church, but kind of setting up the whole machinery of church. Right And like, you know, there's there's a desire to go back to growing and fellowshipping and being a large group. But there's also a reluctance to go back to all the machinery of a church in a box.
0: Yeah. And so I invited
1: him to BBJ. He was interested. He didn't show up. But I've been thinking a lot about how do I give him something? I, mean, I had this little two-minute trailer, which I liked, uh, uh-huh. but it was more just a testimony. Uh, one of the things that's on my heart to do, I don't know if I... God will allow me to do what I grant me the time to do is to do the um, um, the the highlight reel, where I basically you know recut the DBJ two-hour session down to something which just the like you know question answer 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 question answer 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 right without Uh all the gaps and the transitions to something that's probably more like thirty minutes. Yeah, Um, and like I feel like that would be a good thing to do. It feels like I have a lot of work to do. Um, right. But like the, the 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 DBJ to go, the title of productizing you're... DBJ on scale,
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, work, think more about how do I um, reshape it, what we've already done to um, make it easier for people to Um, a lack of a better word, um, um, to create envy. (laughs) for lack of a better term in the marketing sense. That's not the right Christian word to use. But like, you know, hey, you could go to say something cool. I would have felt like that too. Maybe there's a more, uh, I guess, hunger would be the more religiously appropriate word to use. But
2: yeah, it seems like maybe that. I want to go back to DVJ as a third space, um, you know, likely area and, and just connect it with uh, conscious and even artic- possibly articulated values of equipping us to be Jesus where we live and work so that um, <clears> this <throat> impacts our households and it impacts our work relationships even if we don't bring them into uh, the DBJ experience.
1: Yeah, I think that's good, right? DBJ exists to uh, is a context where we can see Jesus to be Jesus, and then so that we can be Jesus in our first place and second place context, so other people yeah. see
2: Jesus. Yeah.
1: All right, that's a good note to end on.
2: Yeah, well, in terms of interest, so, you, were, you were describing, there are some other things we could talk about later that Timothy has mastered that are quite transferable to megachurches and other uh, traditional church context that uh, the the DBJ has kind of a high structural um, uh, 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 you know it's, it's a it's a high structure thing that may not fit as many situations. Uh, Tim mm-hmm. has a much looser form that uh, some basic principles that could uh, be much more readily adopted and adapted by a church like this Yeah, I'm
1: interested in it's, it's like, Ironically, the thing that makes "Quote unquote real church hard is worship.
0: Uh Like the thing
1: people love about church is you got a big band, you got a lot of people, you've got slides and all this stuff, and that's what takes all the effort. Uh Is 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 that? And so that's the thing that is a both a pain point but also the point of desire. Right. And um. You know, I don't know how we're going
2: to resolve that as we move forward. Yeah. Well, if the the topic is of interest, you and I could talk further, I might uh, be able to get Tim on the call if it gets to that level where that would be worthwhile. Yeah. All right. Um,
1: So I think the next time I'm going to talk on a date. Uh, we will collaborate on uh, uh, a cutting of Exodus 32, and then you will follow up with Gary to see about, you know, what's a good time for a debrief with him. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll we'll do. just take it one week at a time.
0: All right. All right. Thanks. God bless you. Bless Thank you. you. Oh, bye. right. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.